everyone. Welcome to Glow Says Season 3, which I call Local Icons and Innovators. We start off the week with Thomas Haas, who is an uber-successful and well-established pastry chef, chocolatier, and really entrepreneur extraordinaire in the greater Vancouver area. He is well-known for his classically elegant and delicious pastries and mouth-watering chocolates. I wish you could walk into his cafe and smell what's being baked right now. My time with Thomas Haas and later on in the season with Leslie Stowe of Rainforest Crisps, Joseph Elworthy of the Vancouver Academy of Music, McKenna Liskey at True Earth, Adam Henderson, Shira McDermott, among others, revealed that their lives are so full and so inspiring that it's hard to capture all of that in 25 minutes. So I'm inspired to divide some of the interviews into two parts if I can. Thomas Haas's interview is one of them. So tune in for the second part. I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back to Glow Says. This is season three. It's about local innovators and icons. And I'm so excited to speak with Thomas Haas today. Everybody knows his name. I have mentioned it to a few of my friends that I'm going to be interviewing you, Thomas. And as soon as I say Thomas Haas, they're all like, oh, (laughs) or ah, they're very impressed. They're not impressed with me. They're impressed with you. So (laughs) I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you for coming on. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Gloria. I'm excited. You know what? You look like a person with lots of energy. Every time I see you in the shop, you're you know, just bright and energetic. And even though the store is full of people and there's lots of people outside the line, you're still very positive, enthusiastic. That's the only thing what gets me through through the days and um, and it has worked has worked really well. Yes, enthusiasm. So that's important. So um, why don't we just touch a little bit about, you know, who you are and where you're from? What brought you to Vancouver? How you started a shop here? Just a little bit about your origin story, I guess you could say. I'm from Germany, and I came here from the southwest of Germany, the Black Forest. My dad, who is also a pastry chef and uh, had his own patisserie in the Black Forest and cafe with my mom together. And my grandfather had a bakery, and my great-grandfather had a grocery store and baked bread. So it goes into the fourth generation, and I suppose to, as every young good boy should do, take over the parents' business one day. Yes, because my dad would always make it sweet for me and would say like, oh, you know, I was a 14 year old school kid. And he said, like, well, and you're going to make an apprenticeship with the best pastry chef, not with him, but with somebody uh, he finds that's the best one. And then after that, you're going to go and travel the world a little bit. And then you come home and uh, bring that fresh breath of air into into our into our little business and um, and and continue the tradition. Mm -hmm. And so. I followed. I left school at 16 and started this apprenticeship, which was a big awakening because I did go to probably the best uh, chef I could work under, but not that I was told that he was also slightly crazy. He was like an old-fashioned, traditional maniac. Mm. And, um, and I, think, I think probably he was obsessed with certain things. But I, I, I would always say when somebody asked me, like, yeah, he was amazing, but my gosh, his people skills were like catastrophic. And uh, so I come there as a 16-year-old, got the big awakening on my first day. I lived above uh, from the patisserie as a as a tenant in his own house. Oh wow! And um, uh, so I got this tiny little room, and I came down, and I was given the first task of uh, preparing the foods for the day. And so they gave me this apple peeler only for me to figure out and like 
mm, that's a strange apple peeler. I've not even seen that at home. That's only for right-handed, you know, it almost looks like a razor blade, which you hook your, your index finger in on your right hand only, but I'm left-handed. So I'm standing there, I'm like, mm, that's a little awkward. And uh, he walks by and he says, what's the problem? And that was literally the first hour, the first day of my apprenticeship. And I'm like, oh, I'm left-handed. And I think this is only working for right-handed people. And he loses it right there on me. And uh, he's like, what do you mean you're left-handed? I'm like, yes, I'm left-handed. Nobody told me that you're left-handed. I would never hire anyone left-handed. I have people with university degree, lining outside the store, want to get this job. And then I hire somebody who is left-handed. There's no success in this business if you're left-handed. And I'm like, oh my God. Tell this a 16-year-old kid. It was hard to recover on that day, but I was determined. So then I never forget this. The next morning at 3 a.m., I got up three hours earlier sneaked myself into the pastry kitchen, took that right-handed apple peeler, started preparing the fruits, the pears, the apples, and I did it three consecutive days, made sure that on day number four, I'm as fast or faster than anybody in the kitchen doing this with my right hand. And, and it taught me that lesson of uh, resilience and, um, and not uh, give, give him ever again an opportunity um, <laughs> to give me. It, it actually went a little bit on and on, and that was just his personality. Fast forward, I did have an amazing apprenticeship. He wanted to take me on afterwards, and I stayed for another year. And then I did follow my dad's advice, and I traveled the world a little bit. And I loved the taste of independence. Uh-huh. I worked in, in a ski town in St. Moritz in a two-star Michelin restaurant as pastry uh-huh. chef at uh-huh. the age of 24 and 25. And uh-huh. I got an offer to join the Four Seasons from a chef and the general manager who were there for dinner to join the Four Seasons uh, Hotel Group in North America, in this case in Chicago. And young little German kid, barely spoke any English. That was a dream come true. I got to go there for a year, live the American dream, and then come back and I'm ready to go. And um, Chicago never worked out because of the visa, but then they offered me Vancouver. I called an ex-girlfriend who I knew she traveled to Vancouver mm-hmm. and said like, Hey, what do you think about this? And she said like, Oh my God, you would love it. It's the outdoors. It's a young city. It's oh. very vibrant, the mountains, the ocean. And like, okay, I go. Okay. And uh, so I ended up in Vancouver in 1995 and wow. uh, with, with the promise and the hug to my mom, Hey, I'll be back in a year. Oh. So I left, I arrived at, uh, at the hotel Mm. I've been treated like royalty right Mm -hmm. from the beginning. Got a hotel room for the first few weeks until I found an apartment. Mm -hmm. And then this girl who was assistant manager, front office or room service, her name was Lisa. She says like, you know, you need the rooms back. Okay. So I really had to uh, smarten up to find an apartment. So I found an apartment in the West and moved out. That girl who threw me out of the hotel eventually became my wife. I love it. There's a big story there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I ended up um, uh, at the hotel um, as the pastry chef. As mm-hmm. I entered the kitchen, I'm like, holy smokes, I'm the youngest in here. I was 26 by then. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody was like double my age. And I didn't want to mess this up. And so I was just there and wanted to lead by example of, you know, I just cleaned up and organized and ask everyone where I can help out. And instead of coming in, like, hey, this is, I'm the chef here. This is what we do. I didn't think that was appropriate. And and so I doubled my hours from anyone else. And I just love to be 
in this place with this position in a country I've never been before and I've worked myself up or earned the respect from the people I worked with. I still live by the same philosophy with anyone I work in our kitchens. I'm like, you know, we don't give titles. You, you just do what you love to do mm. and people will, will be attracted to that if you do it the right way. And all of okay. a sudden you earn where you are and you feel safe, you feel strong, you feel confident instead of uh, going somewhere with pressure, being vulnerable and making yourself so vulnerable that you probably sometimes can't recover from, you know, the things you still have to learn. I think it served me well in that uh, at that age and still up yeah. to this day. And it's a principle that a lot of people should uh, live by and stick with, actually. <laughs> and, you know, if you're with an outfit like the Four Seasons, you can continue with them, right? They could have sent you to Chicago, right? Again, yeah. Yeah. again, they could have sent you to Asia or back to Europe, but you must have stepped out at one point. What happened after that? I did have three amazing years, but as eager as I was, I always looked out and, and was like, who is the best in this on this continent, like America, Canada. And, you know, I was into all the trade publications and uh, the pastry art and design magazines and wanted to read and uh, and and picked uh, a couple of people. And one was in our hotel chain, uh, working in, in Chicago, actually, but it was Ritz-Carlton. And I emailed him and said, like, hey, you know what? I take a week vacation. I would love to come and just work with you and, um, and make a connection. And he's like, okay, come. So I came oh. and, and worked with him in Chicago for a week. There I saw his assistant making this amazing centerpiece out of chocolate and one out of sugar. And I'm like, what is she doing? And he's like, oh, she's preparing for the pastry chef of the year competition in New York City. That's amazing. Yeah, I would be curious to do something like this. And I said, yeah, you should. Not the coming one because it's way too late to put an application in and to train and prepare yourself but the one in a year if you start now in a year from now you will be ready and you will have something good to show and i'm like what oh, that's another year i that's so i went back to vancouver i put my papers in i sent it to new york and i'm like probably i'm lucky and probably they 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 want somebody from across the border behind the Rockies uh, to spice it up a little. And here we go. In January, I got the I got the uh, the green light to go. So I called Sebastian in Chicago and I'm like, hey, they accepted me. And I'm like, mm. are you crazy? And I'm like, no, why? It's in four weeks. And I'm like, yeah, but that's four weeks. And he's like, seriously, you're crazy. <laughs> so what happened? Uh, I worked day and night. I was super excited. Mm. Now I'm going from Vancouver to New York. When they did the competition, it was in the Jacob Javits Center, and okay. there was a big food show, and yeah, it was it was next level. And I would be arriving there, and I see like 18 chefs having all their assistants and all their sous chefs with them, and uh, wow. they have um, uh, transportable refrigerators and heat guns and compressors, and and here am I with my with my suitcase full of. Uh, yes. it, ingredients and a couple of centerpiece items and um, uh, another suit. So I had two suitcases and that was it. And so I would prepare myself and go for an 18 hour nonstop assembly. And then there was the judging. So I walked away from it. I took a peek on everybody else's work and I'm like, I felt good, you know, and the more I looked at it, I'm like, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. But it was this one from my yeah. friend in Chicago who's assistant, like, mm, that's, there were some techniques I've never seen before. And mm. and uh, long story short, at yep. seven at night, all 18 lined up and it happened to be that I came in second. And I think that was wow. 
And that was wow. very that was very fair. I was very happy. Kind of did a little celebration dance around my table. And yes. I'm like, that was a fun thing. And there was some prize money. And I felt proud to come back to Vancouver. And, and I thought mm. the first place winner was a fair first place winner because there was really things I just haven't seen. Plus, it was a one-man one show by myself compared to the three-man shows on, on the other tables. Yeah. So... Right. So coming back to Vancouver to the Four Seasons, the chef and Susan like, well, second place is first loser. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, uh, you better go back. You better go back there the next year. I did go back, better prepared, okay. with a higher standard uh, thing, and was actually okay. convinced that I, yeah, that was clear. I gonna win this, and uh, yeah. and not having my head too high, but I, I could make sense of it. And then I came in third and my heart and I was a little bit broken. And I'm like, that's impossible. That is such a scam. And, uh, and I unveiled and I'm like, he has a metal rod in his showpiece and his, his cake was melting on the display. And I'm like, how oh, can you? And it became a political thing, which was very embarrassing. Anyways, moving fast forward, that was my introduction to New York. And okay. six months later, I got a phone call from a very famous chef who runs, uh, at that time, one of the three best restaurants in the world. And his name is Daniel Boulud on Park Avenue. And he offered me, if I want to, he's looking for a pastry chef, which is non-French because his last pastry chef, who was French, who he actually partnered uh, with a patisserie in New York. But they butted heads uh, all day long. I think it's a little bit of an ego thing. And I was recommended. And so he asked me for recipes and menus and pictures. And I sent it to him. And I'm like, oh, that would be amazing. Didn't tell Lisa anything at that point. We had a little okay. baby boy at that time. Oh. And we were happy in Vancouver. So he calls me back and he's like, ah, the pictures and the recipes, they just don't tell me enough. You know what? I want you to fly in, do a tasting for me. And then if it works out, I pick up the expenses. If it doesn't work out, we do 50-50. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's fair. And the tasting turned out to be a massive, long menu of 10 different items um, uh, instead of the two he first asked me to. And oh, wow. I, I, I'm a yes man. So I'm like, yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef, yes, chef. Mm -hmm. So another, another marathon was there. I flew into New York again on a rainy October day, set myself up, worked through the night, worked through the day. One o'clock in the morning, the tasting was finished all during service on Saturday night. So whenever a new dish came out, he would take two minutes with his chef, leaves the pass in the kitchen, goes up in his little office, has the dessert, goes back. And then at one, I go in the office and he signs this book, Welcome to the Big Apple, his book. Welcome mm. to the Big Apple, Thomas and Lisa. And wow. I got super emotional, tears running down my cheek. And nothing nicer than earning a yeah. job than just being it given to. And uh, two months later, we ended up in New York. So that was the short answer to the oh. question you asked okay. me for. So you were working with Daniel Balud at that yeah. time, like in his role. Wow, that's amazing. How long were you there for? For a little bit more than two and a half years. Yeah. And how was your time there? Did you learn anything new or was it more like learning the business of how to run a business? It was the best professional time of oh. my life. It oh, was, wow. you know, okay. if, if people watch Gordon Ramsay and the craziness in the kitchen mm. and you think it's mm -hmm. all for television, we had yeah. the French version, not the British version, uh, live <laughs> every day. But it was focused on nothing but the care and probably the will to succeed or the, to succeed perfection or excellence towards your customer on every single day. And so there was a lot of heat in the kitchen. There was a lot of screaming, a lot of drama, but there was always 
I could always see that big heart of love behind. And that sounds kind of ridiculous, but it is true. There could be like mayhem. And I'm like, mm. you know what? This is just about getting this dish right to the customer mm. and making sure yeah. the service is right because the expectations were super high. And so that was for me probably the greatest learning experience I could have, seeing this day in, day out and learning that I personally, sometimes I was affected by this and and I just told myself, don't take it personal. Do not take it personal because you know, at one o'clock after service, mm. there's a glass of wine and some cheese coming to you and mm. uh, and you talk about the day and then you go home and you start fresh again. What an amazing experience. Wow. Oh, it's, uh, I love the man to this day in, in every aspect, even though he grew from his one three-star Michelin restaurant to having... 12 restaurants worldwide, which I think didn't make his life much easier, but it solidified his name um, worldwide. And after 18 months being there, he asked me to sign another three-year or five-year H5 working visa. Early on in my life, I knew uh, what success meant to me. And it cannot be just being good at one thing. And in New Mm. York, I would have been really good at one thing. But I don't mm. think I would have been a good husband, a good father, a good community leader, mm. or a part of the community at least. And I would have been just so focused on one thing and uh, everything else would suffer. I would not be happy. And so when that discussion came up, I was talking to Lisa and we had our baby girl, Alessa, born there in New York. Mm. And uh, and there were times she would not recognize me, you know, as much as I think, yeah, I would go to work at six in the morning and there was or seven in the morning and I would never come home rarely come home before midnight and um, Mm -hmm. it it wasn't tiring Uh, I still had Sundays off because the energies were just so high and you was you were young and driven but I just knew that for the long run I would not feel fulfilled so we took one week off I did a cooking class at Barbara Joe's cookbooks and we looked at each other and we're like you know this is where our heart is so I went back to New York told Mm -hmm. Danielle I'm like I'm here for another year. I just want to let you know way in advance that mm-hmm. do not waste your money and your efforts for another three years. It has nothing to do with you. I would love to just live and die in here, but I can't. I just wouldn't be able to look in the mirror long mm-hmm. time down the road. And as we all know, the restaurant industry has a lot of fatalities in the sense of marriages and relationships. And, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to uh, have the foresight of that and not being one of them. And so mm-hmm. I did my 30 months uh, visa I had and then, oh, 24 months and then stayed a few months longer. And then, uh, and then we moved back to Vancouver on the last day of my work. He, he called from Lyon and he says like, you can still change your mind and I'm not sure if I would love to, but no, I got to do this. And he paid and he paid for my way back to Vancouver uh, and, and the move. And I'm like, that man, oh my God, I will never wow. ever not be thankful. Did he, has he ever visited you here? Has he ever come here? <laughs> oh, he was my neighbor on Broadway. So, oh, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 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 so we moved back. We moved back. I already had a job offer as a uh, consulting pastry chef. And also to not make this too long of a story, but we started our our business in the basement because we had no chocolates to offer in that uh, hotel, in that uh, pastry shop, which was at that time called Five Senses. Ah. Um, and so yeah. I said, well, then I make it. And nobody wanted to invest. I'm like, okay, I make it from home in my basement. And I did that for two months and moved into a, a commercial kitchen because it did become popular. And then I said, well, if I make it for the store and for the hotel, I probably 
ask one of my colleagues in the States if, if they need anything for their hotel. And okay. um, all of a sudden, my full-time job, stayed a full-time job, and my little chocolate job at night, job mm-hmm. at night, became yeah. this 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. Um, uh, daily session of chocolate making with two girls I worked in the hotel with who got laid off. And we worked night shifts, listened to radio talk shows, laughed laughed so much, made chocolates, went home. I went to sleep. We met the next night. uh, They came in at seven. I came in at eight because I worked until six, had to have dinner, go back. And within four years uh, of doing that and working the pastry shop job at the Metropolitan Hotel, we had uh, 27 Four Seasons and Ritz-Carlton Hotels as our customers worldwide. And oh, uh, we were at the for, right for yourself, just for your chocolates, you mean? Just, just for chocolates. Yeah. So, so, oh. so we would make twenty thousand chocolates a week during the night, and found a system of shipping them so you can throw them at the wall in the packaging, and they would have no <laughs> scuffing, and they would go to the island of Nevis or to New York City or Hawaii uh, or Austin, Texas, yeah. you name it, Boston, and. Um, Shipping expert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was the foundation of what was yet to come, uh, I would say. You know, Thomas, I have a recollection that you were out of the Metropolitan Hotel. And I just feel like I remember that I've had your chocolates out of those hotels. So, and that was such a full thing, but you've had a whole other thing since then. Okay, wow, amazing. Okay, so you, uh, that's tons of business. And you're still working out of this Metropolitan Hotel. So I guess at some point you thought, okay, I need to get my own space and have my own business. Is that it? Is that what happened? Or No. Young people always ask me, oh, how did you start? Was it always your goal? Did you always? So first of all, I have to remind myself that, hey, I told my parents I'd come back home, but that didn't happen. So I, yeah. just, I just wanted to get onto the best I can be. And therefore I needed an environment where I could be challenged. Mm. And, uh, and I always loved, loved the challenge mm-hmm. uh, because I think that was for me the safest way to progress. So after working those two jobs and I'm like, oh, this chocolate thing is becoming really real right. and, uh, and the space is becoming really small. And, mm. and, the, and the two girls, Lisa um, was her name as well. Mm. And would be our like, um, well, I think we gotta we gotta outgrow this and we gotta do something. And plus, we probably shouldn't work every night and probably work work during the day. And and we love <laughs> to learn pastry. And okay, so at that time, one of my best friends who owned the building, I was making chocolates out of. He was yeah. a, a German butcher from the Black Forest. His name was Jürgen, uh-huh. and he was the most driven, successful, single-minded individual with not a dull moment in his entire life. Wow. Um, he would always push me and say like, okay, you got to get out of here. You got to get your own. You got to get your own. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can afford it. I'm like, you can, you can, you got to do it. You got to do it. And so he literally kicked me out, out of his own building. And wow. I was looking and he says like, and you're not going to go into rent. And I'm like, are you crazy? I can't afford mm-hmm. it. Like, yes, you do. You give them the bank, your socks, your underwear, whatever they ask for. And then you work <laughs> as hard as you did and you make it work. And I'm wow. like, oh, 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 okay then, Jürgen. Okay, I will wow. try. So I looked around and there was this blank base of land um, here in North Van, where oh. we are right now. And there's supposed to be an industrial complex being built in the next six months. Oh. And so I inquired and and so surprisingly, I was the first. So we could choose the location of the... Okay. We are yeah. in North Van, behind the auto mall, 
on a dead end street, uh, one one way in the middle yeah. of nowhere. And people would say, like, "Are you crazy?" And I'm like, uh, "Well, our business at that point at that point was of still shipping chocolates to five star hotels." And that mm-hmm. was a great foundation. And then we decided to put a little pastry shop in there because we did have experience over the last three years selling mm-hmm. out of, of the tiny little catering kitchen on the other side of uh, North Van, also mm-hmm. in an industrial district that mm, you make it, you do it and you make it and you probably also have the people smell it, they will come. So, <laughs> so, so, so people would line up and uh, line up into this little kitchen and we would be like just crammed in there. And I'm like, Mm, probably somebody will like what we do. And so we right. did put a little retail store with a couple seats in there. Mm. During the process of building it, we doubled that space from tiny to less tiny, but still tiny. <laughs> and, um, and but I always said, but the kitchen has to be big and bright and beautiful because mm. I worked in so many dungeons. I mm. do not want my coworkers to not have daylight, see each other, and, uh, and be given a space they can actually operate in an efficient manner. And okay. so we had this 3,000 square foot kitchen and a 100 square foot front door. And, okay. uh, and 15 years later, still the same. So that brings us from the Black Forest in Germany to a little spot next to an auto mall in North Vancouver. Listen in on Thursday to see how his journey continues to unfold and for some pieces of inspiration and advice. Subscribe to Glow Says, let's talk local and I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.